Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates. America competes. New York's new governor, Kathy Hochul, has promised big reforms in the aftermath of Andrew Cuomo's resignation. But in Albany, change is easier said than done. It's not just Kathy Hochul who's made this promise before. Uh, Governors, when they come in, always make this promise. Andrew Cuomo himself, in his 2010 campaign, said he'd clean up Albany. If uh, you have elected officials who don't think we need to reform Albany, then we do have a disagreement. Uh, Elliot Spitzer, who uh, resigned amid a prostitution scandal, said, day one, everything changes. Today, we come together to mark a pivotal moment in our state's history. A day that in the rhythm of democracy marks a transition and a new beginning. And so it's not that they necessarily doubt her, but it takes a while before everything can change. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... I'm Anna Grunewald, and I am a playbook writer for Politico New York. Anna Grunewald on the precarious promise of change in New York. The uh, current governor, Kathy Hochul, took office just over a month now after Andrew Cuomo resigned. And she was the lieutenant governor uh, with Cuomo his past two terms. So she ran with him in 2014 and 2018. We made a little history tonight. Okay. Believe it or not, I'm the first Democratic female lieutenant governor elected to two terms in the state of New York. You did that. You did that. She's an upstate New York native from the Buffalo area, former congresswoman, and uh, she is now taking over for uh, Cuomo and has been working to fix or try to fix um, a lot of the issues, I guess, that Andrew had left in his wake. As set forth in our report, we find that the culture within the executive chamber contributed to the conditions that allowed the governor's sexually harassing conduct to occur and to persist. Words that witnesses have used repeatedly to describe it include toxic, hostile, abusive. Today, I'm directing an overhaul of state government policies on sexual harassment and ethics, starting with requiring that all training be done live. She also has said that she will run again in 2022. So she is tentatively looking toward re-election. So as you mentioned, Hochul took over with the backdrop of former Governor Cuomo um, being embroiled in accusations of sexual misconduct, also issues involving how the state handled um, the coronavirus pandemic. And you have new reporting looking at how Hochul has promised to make some big changes to the state capitol and also how those promises are playing out so far. What exactly is Hochul doing? Hochul has promised, specifically on her first day in office, she promised that she would jump right on board to address the uh, resurgence of the COVID cases that the state was seeing at the time and is continuing to see. The highest priorities of my administration in its first days, combating Delta, getting direct aid to New Yorkers more quickly, 
and beginning to change the culture in Albany. She promised that she would create a more transparent administration and also that she would rid her administration and Albany to the best of her ability of the um, toxic work environment and political interactions that had become characteristic of Andrew Cuomo and were ultimately part of his downfall in the um, in his last days in office. What are the challenges that Hochul is up against in trying to shift the culture and environment in Albany? Well, the story that I uh, wrote this week is really based around the idea that many of her predecessors have also promised similar things. And that's not lost on people who have been watching New York State Capitol uh, for the past couple decades even. It's notoriously a place where uh, politics is very intense, very elbows out. And um, under Andrew Cuomo, it specifically, I think, leaned into some of those characteristics even more, but it definitely didn't start with him. Uh, However, I think his first term, one of his advisors, Steve Cohen, notoriously said, we have two speeds, get along or kill. And that is a way that the Capitol, the legislature, the interactions among politicians have been over the past decade, at least. And so that's something that Kathy Hochul has said she wants to push back against. And she wants to make her staffers feel safe. She wants to uh, be a collaborative leader, she has said. And that includes trusting the people that she hires more, not micromanaging nearly as much, and um, installing some sort of trust that government can work and that leaders can work together, which is something that we have not seen quite so much in the past few years. But the thing is that there is so much muscle memory for these sort of clashes even for no reason at all, only because people don't trust each other very well, that it's difficult for people to understand quite how that might work, even if everyone is on the same page with that sort of sentiment moving forward. I'm curious, as a reporter who's spending, you know, most days um, talking with people working in Albany, have you noticed any sort of tangible shift? You know, I think it's too early to tell. And that's part of the... um, maybe anxiety that some people have right now. There is this 45-day period that Kathy Hochul set out saying that she would reevaluate all of the prominent people in um, administrative positions who had been appointed by Cuomo or who were um, long-term Cuomo advisors, or even just people who had worked in his administration for an extremely long time and were known for being on board with many of his ideas. She said that after 45 days, she would have a little bit more of a sense of who would be the best to keep in those roles and who would be the best to replace maybe to start something new moving forward. A lot of the big names of people, advisors Rich Azapardi, Melissa DeRosa, the health commissioner last week um, was replaced. A lot of the big names have been addressed and uh, some of them are out and she's still waiting to replace some more of these positions. But there are still people, I think, in in mid-level positions, those who, you know, do legislative affairs or who are running, you know, the thousands of people who make New York state government run. Um, and they're, they're still in those positions and they probably will be for quite some time because they have the experience that they need moving forward. But there's kind of this, um, anxiety and sense of, 
uh, maybe even mistrust because no one's quite sure if everyone else is on board with creating a new way to run things. And so if there's someone who's been doing business in a kind of antagonistic way or um, in the way that Andrew Cuomo ran, which was a lot more of hands-on micromanaging, very tough, be out ahead of this any way possible. Um, if there's someone still running like that, it's unclear whether or not a new person in charge can say we're doing things differently and that will immediately make the change. Um, and so I think a lot of people are waiting. A lot of people are waiting to see what happens after these 45 days. And um, a lot of people are skeptical because the difficulties promising large scale change in a place like Albany is that you would be assuming that Albany is unique from any place where power and politics and money and moral imperatives are mingling. And you also would be assuming that it is an island to itself, that it is not separated from a larger political system that um, sometimes embraces these sorts of interactions um, in ways that are really, really difficult to change. Hochul herself, while she is promising this change from the Cuomo administration, was lieutenant governor under Cuomo. Um, she ran with him for statewide office. I mean, how difficult is it to shift a culture when, in some ways, at least politically, y you were part of it, right? Like, is that a, a point of tension in the Hochul administration at the moment? You know, I think absolutely. On one hand, something that she has said, and we really do have proof for, is that Kathy Hochul was not part of Andrew Cuomo's um, inner circle strategizing that anyone knows of or would talk about. She spent a lot of time traveling the state, but what she was doing was often pushing his agenda, accomplishing his purposes. And while she would go out and be the face of the administration across the state, all 62 counties uh, that Andrew Cuomo didn't go to, she would also add her own interactions with uh, local officials, her own appearances. But she was doing the administration's work because that's what a lieutenant governor does. And so it's quite clear that she probably wasn't, you know, witnessing some of these interactions that were laid out in the attorney general's report. But it also is hard to say that she was not part of a big operation doing all of these things at once. And I think from what we've heard, both from Republican and Democratic potential challengers, is that that will be a big argument for electing someone else uh, next fall. Anna Grunewald, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you. Also today, two top privacy staffers have resigned from the Federal Trade Commission. That's according to people familiar with the move who spoke with Politico, Manisha Mittal, Associate Director of the FTC's Privacy Unit, and Daniel Kaufman, Deputy Director of the agency's Consumer Protection Bureau, notified the FTC of their resignations on Wednesday. The departures come as some of the agency's 1,100 employees have expressed discontent under the leadership of new FTC chair Lena Khan, who's pushed the agency to shake off its decades of, quote, unduly permissive treatment of growing corporate power. And 
The House Judiciary Committee has approved a sweeping marijuana legalization bill. On Thursday, the committee voted 26 to 15 in favor of the Moore Act, which would remove cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act, where it's currently classified as a Schedule I drug, the same status as heroin. Two Republicans joined all Democrats in backing the bill, but the legislation faces a tough path forward in the Senate, despite Democrats taking control of that chamber earlier this year. The Politico Dispatch production team includes senior editor Raghu Manavalan, senior producer Jenny Ament, and executive producer Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>